You're listening to Joey's Totally Tech, your tech podcast. Do you remember mp3.com? Well, it still exists, but it's not the platform it used to be where independent musicians could upload their music and people could actually start virtual record labels right on their site. Now, it's something quite different. So what's happened? You'll find out here on Joey's Totally Tech. Hello, welcome to Joey's Totally Tech. It is July 20th, 2020. We had a correction to make to last week's news and a fix as well. Regarding Michael Lofthouse, there were actually chans at the party with the Arosas. There are chans related to the Arosas. Jordan Chan is one name that I remember from that. Lisa had mentioned that she thought maybe Lofthouse was being racist even further by apologizing to the Chan family when we had mentioned it was Maria Rosa's birthday party, where Lofthouse made his racist rant. Also, when we were talking about Walmart Plus, I couldn't remember the name of the video service that Walmart owns. The video streaming service is Voodoo or V-U-D-U. I do not know yet if this is part of Walmart Plus or not, but you never know when or if they could incorporate it. We've uploaded an edited version of that podcast if you want to check it out. The news will be a separate episode from this point on. So this week we have our main episode and then probably Monday later in the day, we will upload the news episode. There's no tech Q&A this week. And because we are going on vacation later this week, there won't be tech Q&A either. Though we haven't had that much tech Q&A on any of our episodes. We've only had one so far. That was my friend Laura. She had asked a question that we answered here in the program. If you want to ask your tech questions, you can join the Joey's Totally Tech community at joeystotallytech.com slash community. Join the forum there and ask your tech questions. You can also message us on Facebook Messenger. Just go to facebook.com slash Tech. Or look up Joey's Totally Tech on your Facebook app and send us a message in Facebook Messenger. You can donate to the podcast at bit.ly slash jttdonate. That will redirect you to the Red Circle page for donations for our podcast. We are not currently monetized because Red Circle's monetization, or advertisers actually, require 
a greater amount of downloads than what Anchor did. On Anchor, we were monetized, but here on Red Circle, we are not yet monetized. Now, we are playing promotions at the beginning of the episode, and probably in the mid-roll as well, in the future of this podcast. But right now, we don't get paid for those. Those are just cross-promotions to help build our podcast listener base as well as the listener bases of other podcasts we're working with for cross-promotion on Red Circle. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, which is about what's happened to mp3.com. Stay tuned. days, mp3.com is owned by CNET, and it's kind of a tabloid-style news site centered around music. But the site started out as a legal and free music sharing service. Independent musicians were able to upload their music and promote their work. As someone who was an independent musician myself at the time, doing my own industrial electronic and synth-pop music I found the service to be a godsend. I was able to discover other artists, and other artists were able to discover me, as well as other fans discovering my music too. Let's head back to 1997. I was in high school, third wave ska was popular for about five minutes, and we were all on dial-up internet. MP3s were in their infancy. I discovered MP3s when I was on my school's web development team, and other members were listening to MP3s as well. We loved to listen to our music while doing our work, and MP3s were an easy way to do that. Meanwhile, I was bringing my CDs. CD copying was becoming easier and popular. I didn't have a CD burner though, and I hadn't yet discovered CD ripping, but a number of my classmates had. Well, that same year, Michael Robertson and Greg Flores, as part of the Z Company, founded mp3.com. They also ran other websites like files.com with a Z on files, websites.com with a Z on websites, and sharepaper.com, which they purchased from Lars Mathiason. Robertson had Flores search for a site that was working with legitimate MP3 information and see if that company would work with them. Martin Paul owned the domain name mp3.com, and Robertson had emailed him to purchase the URL. Obviously this happened. The business plan was to use the domain name to drive more search queries to files.com, which was the source of most of the company's revenue of those days. Files.com was an FTP search site which originally provided an easy-to-use graphical interface for searching different types of files such as software, graphics, video, and audio. The first version utilized an existing free search engine which was developed by graduate students led by Tor Egg who, by the way, later founded Fast Search and Transfer, which was based on this very search engine at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. Flores noticed that most people were searching for MP3s. 
mp3.com received over 18,000 unique users within the first 24 hours of going live, and Flores had his first advertising purchase call within just 18 hours of the launch. This led the Z company to focus instead on mp3.com almost overnight. Business was going to be booming. Now, of course, MP3s were controversial because the format was used to pirate songs. You may, of course, remember Napster, which was under fire for allowing people to pirate music. Well, even though MP3.com focused on legal MP3s, people still had a misunderstanding of them during that time. In 1998, the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, or NARAS for short, refused to run an ad that mp3.com had purchased for inclusion in NARA's Grammy magazine. The ad said, quote, What the whole world listens to, future Grammy winners found here, end quote. The reason? NARA's told mp3.com it was, quote, the limited number of advertising positions available in the magazine in conjunction with the somewhat controversial nature of your product, end quote. But some companies saw the future in MP3s and MP3.com, as Cox Interactive Media invested $45 million and acquired 10% of MP3.com in June 1999. The two companies launched MP3Radio.com a few months later, which was a joint project intended to create many websites to offer MP3 downloads, concert tickets, and eventually CD sales to listeners of Cox radio stations. MP3.com went public on July 21st, 1999, over a month after I graduated from high school and raised over $370 million. At this time, this was the single largest technology IPO to date. Stock was offered at $28 per share and rose to $105 per share during the day, and then closed at $63 per share. In the next few years, mp3.com became the home to many independent musicians on the internet. Each one would have an individual web presence at mp3.com slash whatever the name of the act was. At the end of 1999, musicians could monetize their content on the site. The program was called Pay for Play, or P4P. It used an algorithm to pay each artist based on the number of streams and downloads of their songs. 96 hours of audio content per day from the summer of 1999 to the summer of 2003 was provided. One song per minute, or 16 listening years of audio content, just within a four-year period and they had a trained staff of music experts reviewing content to make sure no copyrights were being broken. Alanis Morissette even got in on the action, as she was an investor and sponsored the site on one of her tours. She owned close to 400,000 shares in the company, which she sold off through a series of SEC filings in 1999 and early 2000, and she profited million. And mp3.com also created the Pressplay infrastructure. Pressplay was an online music store operating from December 2001 to March 2003 
created as a joint venture between Universal Music Group and Sony Music Entertainment in response to Napster's popularity. The infrastructure was later sold to Roxio on May 19, 2003, which they used as a base to relaunch Napster. MP3.com also managed eMusic, RollingStone.com, and Vivendi Universal Music Properties. My.mp3.com In the beginning of 2000, mp3.com launched the my.mp3.com service, enabling users to register their personal CDs and then stream digital copies online from my.mp3.com. Consumers could only listen to the music they proved they owned, and the company had a great opportunity for revenue by allowing fans to access their own music online. However, the record industry didn't quite see things in the same light and felt that mp3.com's service constituted unauthorized duplication and promoted copyright infringement. And so, mp3.com was sued. And in the court case, Judge Jed S. Rakoff ruled on the side of the record labels in UMG versus MP3.com. The judge said it was, quote, making mechanical copies for commercial use without permission from the copyright owner, end quote. But MP3.com settled with UMG Recordings for $53.4 million before damage was awarded, in exchange for permission to use UMG's entire music collection. And then a recession hit. The company no longer had the funds to weather the downturn that was happening in the tech sector, and so it was time to sell MP3.com. like the music and sound effects we're using on the Joey's Totally Tech podcast? Well, we get the licensing for this music through Epidemic Sound. If you're a content creator creating video on YouTube or other social media platforms, or a fellow podcaster, visit bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. That's bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. And you can sign up for a subscription for as little as $15 per month. They have a wide variety of genres of music. 
as well as sound effects you can incorporate into your content. You don't have to pay royalties, you just pay the monthly subscription fee. Or you can also buy lifetime licenses to particular tunes and effects too. So if you want to use some fresh music and help support this podcast too, check out bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic and sign up for Epidemic Sound today. The Vivendi Universal Era of MP3.com Vivendi Universal acquired MP3.com in May 2001 at $5 per share, which was $23 below the IPO share price, approximately $372 million in cash and stock. But Jean-Marie Messier, then CEO of Vivendi, said, quote, The acquisition of MP3.com was an extremely important step in our strategy to create both a distribution platform and acquire state-of-the-art technology. MP3.com will be a great asset to Vivendi Universal in meeting our goal of becoming the leading online provider of music and related services." This was probably the time I used MP3.com the most. I started creating industrial electronic music after a ska punk band I was trying to start up never materialized back in 1999. And mp3.com was the go-to place for music uploads and online promotions for me. I was even able to get my CDs created through mp3.com, which was great considering that at the time I did not yet have a CD burner, and people could purchase these CDs through mp3.com too which was convenient as I didn't have to keep inventory except for the CDs I chose to sell at shows and local stores that would carry it. Alas, the service I relied on so much for as a musician had difficulties growing, and the original site was dismantled, and the assets including the URL and logo were sold to CNET in 2003. Us artists were emailed being told that CNET would come up with replacement services in the future based around their download.com facilities, and there was also a placeholder message on the site. TrueSonic, which was a business unit of mp3.com, providing background music and messaging service to retailers, acquired licenses to use 250,000 artists' songs. They partnered with GarageBand.com to revive these artists' accounts. They retain most of the software technology developed at MP3.com and are now part of Mood Media Organization. Now, all of the artists' pages redirect to Last.fm. I remember the one and only royalty check I received from MP3.com. It was both exciting and sad seeing how the once great platform for music sharing and promotion had died. 
but it wasn't long before this was replaced by MySpace.com, as one of the popular features of MySpace was MP3 upload and playback for bands and artists. And now that MySpace is no longer the same, essentially in a similar position to MP3.com today, we have Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Reverb Nation, AudioMac, YouTube, etc. Many places to go where musicians can share their music now. CNET was supposedly going to offer replacement services, but I never saw the replacement services I expected. Initially, I was expecting something similar to the old mp3.com, where I could upload my own mp3s, but that never came to be. It became a music tabloid site, focusing on mainstream artists. And that's what it is to this day. CNET must be somewhat successful with it as they keep it around, though I don't hear it talked about as much anymore. But with MySpace serving as the stopgap not too long after the demise of what I knew as MP3.com, and then Bandcamp and SoundCloud, Reverb Nation, etc. eventually coming into being, and YouTube offering both audio and video uploads, I may miss mp3.com, but I realize every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. I was sad about the end of mp3.com, but we have so many more options now than we did back then. And this is a good thing. And then you have Pandora and Spotify, where people can listen to independent musicians, it's really a very different world now, but I really feel it all began with mp3.com. This has been a look into what happened to mp3.com. If you enjoyed this episode and others that are on this podcast, consider making a donation, either one-time or recurring, on our Red Circle page. You can visit joeystotallytech.com and click the donate slash sponsor the podcast link in the menu at the top. We do not have tech Q&A on this episode today, and you can now catch the tech news starting this week in a separate episode. This has been Joey Cagle, and you've been listening to Joey's Totally Tech. I will catch you next time.